Welcome to Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee, a podcast brought to you by the Tennessee Initiative for Perinatal Quality Care. TIPQC exists to improve health outcomes for mothers and infants in Tennessee through our quality collaborative that will identify opportunities to optimize maternal and infant outcomes across our state and is funded under a grant contract with the state of Tennessee. The Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee podcast is designed for medical professionals and for patients and families across the state. We will focus on all aspects of the perinatal period with special attention to reducing our maternal mortality rate. This podcast is brought to you through a cooperative agreement with the Alliance for Innovation on Maternal Health. Welcome to the Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee podcast, brought to you by the Tennessee Initiative for Perinatal Quality Care. I am Scott Guthrie, a neonatologist and infant medical director of TIPQC. One of the things that I like so much about these podcasts are the interesting people we get to have conversations with about topics that can help improve care for mothers and babies, not only in Tennessee, but anywhere else this podcast is being listened to. At times, the conversations in our podcast may be more relevant to the general public. We have had some great discussions with parents and patients telling us about their experience and how we can learn to better support them during this time. We have also learned about how the healthcare system works for families and providers in our state. At other times, our conversations have been more relevant to medical providers. Today is one of those days. Our discussion today will focus on quality improvement in the work of perinatal quality collaboratives, or PQCs. Across the U.S., almost every state has a PQC, and we love having the opportunity to sit down and share what we are doing and to borrow ideas from each other as we seek to improve the care for moms and babies in our own state. Several podcasts ago, we got to sit down with the director of the Wisconsin PQC, and more recently, we talked to the director of the Massachusetts PQC. Today, we have the opportunity to sit down for a conversation with two of the leaders of the Illinois PQC. Justin Josephson and Leslie Calderelli are the neonatal leads of the Illinois Perinatal Quality Collaborative. Dr. Josephson is a neonatologist and associate professor of pediatrics at St. Louis University. He's also the medical director of SSM Health, St. Mary's Hospital Neonatal Intensive Care Unit in St. Louis, which serves high-risk infants and mothers in the Southern Illinois region. In addition to quality improvement, his interests include delivery room interventions to improve neonatal outcomes. Dr. Calderelli is a practicing neonatologist at the Ann and Robert H. Lurie Children's Hospital of Chicago and Prentice Women's Hospital Northwestern Medicine. She serves as a medical director of the Neonatal Intensive Care Unit at Prentice Women's Hospital. Dr. Calderelli also has a long-standing medical educational track record at the undergraduate and graduate levels, including leadership, teaching, simulation, and curriculum development. Welcome to our show. Hello. Thank you so much for having us. So every year, the Illinois PQC hosts a panel of other state PQCs, and I believe TIPQC has been on that panel three times. So it is a fantastic opportunity for us to be able to reciprocate the favor and just have an opportunity to have you on and hear about all the things that your uh, PQC is doing and all the stuff that's going on in Illinois. Yeah, thanks. We're really um, grateful to be here. You know, the Tennessee has come to our annual conferences three separate times, as you mentioned, and um, it's been really great having you guys share the work that you've done in Tennessee. We've learned a tremendous amount from the things that that you've done, the projects that you've done, and some of the projects we've actually tackled ourselves afterwards and have learned from from your experiences. So we're glad to be here. 
Yeah, it's a great thing to be able to sit down in this format and just, just have a discussion about what works and what doesn't work and, and more importantly, uh, what we can do together, the share of ideas and, and things that are going on in our state. So, you know, as we get started, tell us a little bit about yourself, both of you. How did you get involved in, in neonatology? How did you wind up being the, 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 the doctor that you are today? I think that's always a fun question to start with. I had kind of a not straight path yeah, getting to NICU. I um, actually signed a contract to do HEMONC and um, in the last minute went into the director of the HEMONC fellowship program and said, I can't do this. I can't do this. This is not what I want to do. I want to do neonatology. And I wrote it on this little pink card and um, brought it to him and put it in his mailbox and then ran out and he immediately came and found me in the NICU that afternoon and said, I knew this is what you wanted to do. And I came and I spoke to you immediately because I didn't want you to be going through fellowship worried that I was going to have my feelings hurt. Um, So during residency and right before deciding what fellowship to do, I knew that the NICU was where I felt comfortable. Um, One of my mentors had said, uh, had defined attending as to be present. And I really love being in the NICU. I love the feeling and the presence in the NICU, all of the medicine that makes up neonatology, the decision-making that makes up neonatology, supporting families, and really the NICU family that you and community that you build within the unit. You build these deep connections and form a family with the people that you work with. And I think that's just a really special, cool place to work. The same, one of my mentors um, said, every time a rotation started, welcome to the NICU, you're going to love it here. And I truly think that embodies how I feel about the NICU. That's awesome. I think you just uh, convinced a whole lot of people to become neonatologists right there. Justin, what about yourself? I had a different uh, route than Leslie. Um, I actually worked uh, for seven years after my undergraduate uh, education in, um, in scientific data um, and data management. And I traveled around the region and talked with different scientists basically about the literature and how to mine the literature and how to mine data. Um, and I enjoyed that, but um, you know, I, I missed the person-to-person contact um, that medicine could provide. And I, in my late 20s, I made a big, huge uh, career decision that's affected my family greatly in a hopefully positive way. And I went to medical school at that point in time. I kind of going into that, I actually had a feeling that I would be going into the NICU and neonatology. I enjoy all of that. A lot of people go into pediatrics um, to work with the children. And I, while I enjoy working with the babies and the children, I really enjoy working with the family unit um, and we're working and helping people through, you know, very stressful periods of time. So it's really working with the families um, as a unit that really continues to motivate me, motivated me to go into neonatology and continues to motivate me to come to work every day. So how did you both get involved in quality improvement and specifically wind up uh, working with the Illinois PQC? It was not by design. It wasn't a career path that I had uh, envisioned for myself. The One of the original neonatal co-leads of the Illinois Perinatal Quality Collaborative, um, Aki Noguchi, is retiring. And as luck would have it, he was a couple doors down from me um, in my office here at St. Louis University which is of course right next door to um, Illinois and Southern Illinois. And he had asked me if I would consider this, that he thought that this might be a good move. Kind of at the time, um, quality improvement and PQCs were very, very young. 
there wasn't a lot of information about what they did or what they should be doing. And um, so it was a really exciting time for me to be able to involve, be involved at kind of a, the ground of the beginning of what PQCs are and help develop and continue to develop the neonatal side of ILPQC. Leslie, what about yourself? Similar to Justin, in I finished um, fellowship in 2004 when um, we were just starting to talk about quality improvement in neonatology. Um, I was brand new attending in the pretty much the only junior person in my section. And my senior attending said, we don't really know what quality improvement is, but the hospital is telling us we need to focus on quality improvement. And we kind of think we do everything really well, but you're junior, so maybe we'll give this to you. So that's how it was officially handed to me. But then I started thinking about it and learning about it. I'm really comfortable admitting when something isn't going well, or I don't know the answer and working with teams to figure out solutions. I really like the idea of making it easy to do the right thing. And that sums up quality improvement for me, figuring out what a problem is, what, how can we make it better? What are the best practices? And then making it really easy for people to do that. And so um, even though it was kind of handed to me as this unknown entity, I think over time, I've understood it more and I've really grown to love um, making it easy to do the right thing for families and babies. So tell us a little bit about the Illinois PQC. Exactly what have you been involved in? How do, how do you function? Uh, what's been going on in your state? Yes, yeah, so we are a, um, we're a network of hospital teams. That's our core at IOPQC. The hospital teams are really the engine and the foundation of the work we do. We also include perinatal clinicians from across the state, patients, public health leaders, policymakers, and we're all committed to really improving healthcare and outcomes for birthing patients and babies across Illinois. When we talk about ILPQC, we say we're founded and we are founded on three pillars. Those three pillars are collaborative learning, rapid response data so that teams can see the improvements they're making or identify areas that they need to focus on, and then collaborative QI support, but also individualized QI support. So what about some of your projects that you've been involved in? Tell me a little bit about about some of your projects. So we just celebrated our 10th anniversary um, as a PQC. We started in Illinois as a neonatal collaborative and then have for the last 10 years been a perinatal quality collaborative. Um, Some of our active OB initiatives are including our maternal opioid initiative, birth equity, and promoting vaginal births. On the neonatal side, we continue to have calls for um, our opioid initiative And currently, we're working on antibiotic stewardship and beginning to plan our next initiative. Some of our original initiatives that we worked on were neonatal nutrition. This was an initiative that really focused on um, NICU quality improvement. We had about eight NICUs in the state that participated in this initiative, and it really gave us an opportunity to work with NICUs, understand quality improvement, understand ourselves as the neonatal side of a PQC. After our neonatal um, nutrition initiative, we moved on to a golden hour initiative, which was also a NICU-based, delivery room-based initiative, but we 
began to broaden the hospital participation across the state of Illinois. And that, again, allowed us to grow as an initiative and involve more nurseries across the state. Justin, I know he can give us some um, some of the data on our initiatives and the outcomes that we achieved. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about your opioid initiative. I'm, I'm quite interested in that. That's something Tennessee has been involved in as well. We've got a, a huge opioid problem here in our state. And and this is where I think we can really exchange some ideas and, and come up with some things about how we can combat this and, and help babies and, and mothers that, that are in this situation. So, Justin, tell me a little bit about your project. Yeah, so we um, have been working on this project for over five years. Um, it's the Mothers and Newborns Affected by Opioids Project, MNO. And we really tried to think about the work that had been done in the newborn space prior to us being involved with this with NAS, Ohio Collaborative, um, had had a big NAS initiative. Um, but as we were thinking more about this from the neonatal side, our obstetric colleagues also recognized a problem. And I think we recognized together a need that, that this project needs to work together. Of any of our perinatal projects, this one is the most perinatal of, of all of them because it involves somebody using substances and then it involves the baby and, and that dyad is really, really critically important. So we really focused on the dyad. So in partnership with our OB colleagues who, who worked on an entire project in parallel, more like a Venn diagram parallel with us, they looked at, of course, re- referring and uh, referring patients to treatment um, and ensuring that the the maternal care is good high quality care in the hospital and then we um, concurrently did the same with the babies so our project kind of focused on a couple main areas um, ensuring that prenatal consultation was able to happen so the pediatric team had engagement before birth we looked at then engagement in the hospital and then we looked at the time period to the transition home and is that project still ongoing? Is it in sustainment at this point? Yeah, it's in sustainability. Our key aims of the project uh, were to reduce the number of babies who received opioids, to increase breast milk utilization, and to increase ba- the number of babies with a safe and coordinated discharge plan. And we had some really um, tremendous results in, in decreasing um, opioid uh, re- sort of replacement in babies. We had good results in having a, a a safe discharge plan for all of our babies. We, about a year and a half ago, two years ago, we then moved that project um, in a sustainability phase. With all of our projects, we like to see some sort of sunsetting where the projects can, we can kind of move on and go to other projects. But this project in particular isn't really ripe for that. Um, the opioid utilization in, in our state and across the country is has not gone down. Is in fact, it's gone up in the last three years. Yeah. Um, overdose deaths are up. And so we know that we can't let this down. We have to keep talking about this, maybe not with the intensity that we did in the, the active phases, but we can't stop. So I'm curious, this is where I think we can learn from you and, and other PQC leaders or, or people involved in their state PQCs can, can pick up some helpful tips from you. One of the things you mentioned was decreasing opioid use in babies. How did you go about doing that? What was the part of the project that, that, that made this work? Um, there was a couple of things that made it effective. I think one thing is that from the onset, Leslie and I were firmly believing that the the treatment of NAS and the treatment of now is really is a non-pharmacologic approach, and we need to get the neonatologist out of their care as much as possible. I think we see ourselves as intensive care physicians. I see myself as an intensive care physician, which means 
intensive monitoring, cardiac monitoring, high stress environments. Um, that's the area that we trained in. That's the area that we love to work in. And that's for all of my colleagues across the country, that's what we do. But non-pharmacologic care is the opposite of all those. It's quiet environments. It's comforting. Eat, sleep, console as a concept began to roll out where the console uh, period is there. And so we really tried to focus on helping hospitals deliver the care that they receive to these dyads in a mother baby unit, not in a NICU. Yeah, that's great. So you mentioned that magic word, eat, sleep, console, or, or magic string of words. How, uh, how, did, how long did it take for culture to change at these neonatal intensive care units? Because again, we like our numbers. I've got a baby that's crying and I know is addicted and I'm going to give him some meds. I mean, that's the way we think as a neonatologist. So that's a whole mind shift. That's a whole cultural shift of you're not going to do that. You're going to let the baby eat. You're going to let the baby sleep and you're going to console the baby. That How long did it take for the cultures to begin to change in the, in the NICUs in Illinois? We got really lucky in that um, the at the time Eat, Sleep, Console was rolling out. Dr. Grossman had just published his study um, in this QUI project, and we were lucky enough at the very beginning to have him as our plenary speaker at the basically the inauguration. Um, and it really, I think, helped frame the whole project. I know some of the states that are working on this, you know, Eat Sleep Console kind of came in in the middle of it, and it's kind of hard to shift gears um, at that point. But for us, we the timing was really, really ripe. Um, he's an excellent speaker and and builds an excellent case. And that's what we do at, at ILPQC is we try to build, bring in expert speakers for various topics to try to build the cases um, for the best practices. Yeah, sometimes timing is just, every, is, is a lot in, in our projects and what we choose to do and, and how things come together. So what's been your favorite part of this project? I think there's a couple things, but the thing that's sort of the, that's really been the best is the true engagement of almost all of the hospitals in Illinois in this project. Um, as Leslie mentioned, we started with a small neonatal nutrition project that was a handful of NICUs. And our next project was the Golden Hour Initiative, which was you know 30 or so NICUs or higher level um, birthing centers. But the opioid problem touches every community. It touches every birthing hospital. And so seeing the, the PQC expand um, from from a neonatal standpoint, from us only working with a handful of NICUs to us working with 80 to 90 hospitals across the state has really been rewarding. And I think it's helped us with future initiatives and it's helped us hopefully with our future initiatives that, that we are either planning or haven't even started planning yet um, to really have that, the collaborative be a true collaborative that we're all working together. We're all solving problems together and IOPQC pr provides a forum for us to do that. Yeah, so maybe that's the big message for other PQCs that are listening to this. Was if, if you want to expand your reach and if you want to expand what you're doing, pick a project like this that can have a huge impact in your community and that is going to draw in interest and participation from, from all the birthing hospitals in, in your state. Because as you said, everybody's impacted by this. And, and this is something we've noticed in Tennessee, too, when we tackled this project a couple of years ago as well. Leslie, any any uh, 
thoughts from yourself about this project and anything that, that you have, uh, have identified as just a favorite part of this project as far as the, the success stories that you've had? Maybe it's even a personal story or just what you've seen with your numbers. Yeah, as Justin was talking, it was making me reflect on the initiative and where we are now. There's so many parts that are so important. I think certainly engaging hospitals across the state was important. We really focused on um, gaining energy and gaining enthusiasm and gaining buy-in. When you asked about how did people adopt Eat, Sleep, Console, we did some simulation training and also shared stories and really personal stories of how families were engaged in the beginning. And then we had this success and we shared those on monthly webinars. And I think that success and energy was contagious um, and allowed for other teams to, to try it and believe that Eat, Sleep, Console might work. It took a lot of at the hospital level elbow grease um, to to say, look how well this worked. All the baby needs to do is eat and sleep and be consoled. It'll work. Let's flip. Like when you go in, you want to change the diaper first, but that's going to irritate the baby. Let's just kind of think about maybe give the baby a little bit of milk first and then change the diaper. And so there was individualized work that we did. I think it was also amazing to see how um, mothers and birthing patients were engaged in the care of their babies. I remember one time going in with one of our nurse educators to um, a patient's room and the mom was nervous and not confident and had her head down and didn't know how to take care and said, I don't know how to take care of her. I'm really, really nervous. And we sat with her and we showed her the importance of the room being quiet. And we showed her how to swaddle and we gave her a book to read to the baby. And just to see her shoulders expand and her chin come up and just a little bit of confidence in her face was amazing. And then to share that story with the nurses on the floor and see them become engaged. I also remember once going to a nurse and saying, who's taking care of this baby who's got opioid withdrawal? And she immediately said, I am. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. This can be really cool. Let's try and engage this mom and get this to work. And then she became one of our nurse champions for, um, for MNO. And she, it, the energy is, and the enthusiasm, enthusiasm is just contagious. Um, in terms of ILPQC, I know Justin and I are both really proud of two other things. One is the ability to help hospital teams have this successful if they have 40 patients a month or if they have one patient a month. We um, hopefully helped hospital teams develop structures that if they only saw a baby every other month who had opioid withdrawal, they still had structures in place where that baby got the exact, and that mom got the exact same care that if, as in a hospital that was seeing 20 patients a month. Um, so I think we're really proud of being able to standardize this despite the number of patients you have. Um, and then the second thing that we're, I mean, we're proud of a lot, but an, an additional thing that we're proud of is um, our coordinated discharge. We worked really hard 
to make sure that we weren't just providing, uh, that hospital teams weren't providing terrific care in the hospital, but that this transition was to care outside of the hospital and life outside of the hospital. And we focused on um, making sure that moms and babies were clinically ready, that the family was prepared. Um, They knew what to expect after being hospitalized, if that meant there would still be withdrawal symptoms, if it meant they would be interacting with DCFS, if it meant that they would have early intervention appointments, and then lastly, this warm um, handoff to the community pediatrician or um, family practice. Man, that's fantastic. That sounds like a great program that you did, a great project. Is there information that you have online on the Illinois PQC website that if somebody's listening and wants more information, they can go and and get this? Yes, we have an IOPQC website where um, we have a toolkit for for our MNO initiative where um, prenatal consult documents are available, checklists for prenatal consults, Eat Sleep Console tools, our Eat Sleep Console videos are in there, different protocols for farm care, scheduled dosing or PRN dosing is in there, and then in our discharge um, planning and engagement with the family uh, worksheet is in there. That's great. Well, we will provide this in our show notes. So if you're listening to this and want further information about this uh, project that the Illinois PQC has, sounds like you've just knocked it out of the park. Like this has been an overwhelming success. You, you ought to be really proud of the work you've done. We'll have this in the show notes so people can get access to it. So now I need to find out what you have going on right now. What is currently in the works or has just started or what you're planning to do? Uh, give us uh, some insight into what's on the horizon? Well, currently um, we're working on an antibiotic stewardship project, BASIC, the Babies Antibiotic Stewardship Collaborative that we've worked on for the last two plus years. Um, as the MNO project went into sustainability, this is our active phase project. Um, and it's looking at early, reducing um, antibiotic usage for the evaluation of early onset sepsis um, and trying to help hospitals standardize what they're doing how they're doing it, who they're giving antibiotics to, um, and also help hospitals, you know, stop antibiotics once at 36 hours, once the, the infection has been ruled out. So we've actually spent a lot of time in that project, um, really building that. And I've had good success in increasing the proportion of infants who have had their antibiotics stopped at 36 hours. Once infection has been ruled out, decreasing antibiotic utilization rate, um, at the beginning, um, using standardized tools such as the sepsis calculator, the neonatal sepsis calculator, or alternative tools that AAP has provided so that each infant is systematically evaluated and it's not kind of on the whim of of the pediatrician who happens to be getting the call. Um, There's a a standardized system in place for them to do that evaluation. Um, So we've had really good success Um, with that. That is um, ending its active phase and it's about ready in 2023 to roll into a sustainment. So I'm, I'm curious what decrease, I mean, this is something that's near and dear to my heart too, is antibiotic stewardship. So what, what type of numbers have you seen from on your run chart from where your antibiotic usage started to once you drop these things in place, where is it? 
Yeah, so our baseline, you know, we collected baseline data from all of our hospitals. We had really excellent participation. And when I said we were, what I was proud about with MNO was to develop this infrastructure of participation. We have 77 hospitals who submit data um, across the state on this project, and then they use that data to help themselves improve. Um, our baseline was between five and 6% of infants um, greater than or equal to 35 weeks who had received antibiotic. Our most recent control chart shows some centerline shifts and um, we are at around 3.6 or 3.8%. So we're under 4%. And we were targeting in a 20% decrease or an absolute rate less than 4%. So we, we feel like we are achieving uh, pretty good aims and it's pretty consistent. Um, the other thing that has been really rewarding is to see hospitals move toward a shorter rule out period, a 36 hour rule out period instead of 42 or in some cases even 70 48 instead of a, or 72 hours. You know, one of the things I like to do when I have opportunity to sit down with, with other uh, state leaders is look at the March of Dimes report card and just sort of see where we stack up. When I did that, Illinois got a D plus. So slightly better than Tennessee's D minus. Uh, my mom would not have been happy uh, with me if I brought home a D minus or a D plus <laughs> on my report card growing up. Um, so I think both of us, both of our PQCs, all the people that are involved in our PQCs, we, we've got a lot of work that we still need to do uh, in order to improve those numbers and get a, a report card that, that our moms would be happy with. Um, what else is on the horizon? What do you think we need to do to, to tackle this? Uh, I know our, our states both have inequities and disparities of care. There's lots of things that are involved in the healthcare delivery system that, that uh, we're starting to investigate. And and try to tackle, what else do you think we can do to, to try to move the dial and to improve care for, for everyone? So I think there are a number of ways to think about what we're going to need to do to make this better. As a PQC, our next initiative at ILPQC that we're fondly calling NNI, Next Neonatal Initiative, because we can't, we don't have a name yet, um, but we're really partnering with our Illinois Department of Public Health to focus on disparities and inequities in maternal and newborn health, um, understanding where and why those disparities and inequities exist. We have decided to focus on safe sleep environments when we think about infant mortality. Infant um, mortality. One of the areas we feel at ILPQC we can ability to improve is ensuring a safe sleep environment. We as neonatologists know that we've said, okay, we need to mimic or model a safe sleep environment in the hospital. And as families are leaving the hospital, give them this handout that is part of this giant pile of papers saying, make sure you have a safe sleep environment and bye. And we can do much better in the hospital, not only modeling that behavior, but really starting to um, discuss what a safe sleep environment is prenatally at the beginning of hospitalization and then at discharge and then also at um, pediatrician and follow-up appointments. I think also to say have a safe sleep environment is not enough. We need to start understanding social determinants of health and what families have as resources 
their understanding of um, a safe sleep environment, culturally, ethnically, what in a community-based, what is important for a safe sleep environment. Um, so at ILPQC on the neonatal side, we're starting to understand disparities and inequities in neonatal health and infant mortality. Also, just developed and had our first meeting of um, community advisory group to not just report back, um, but really to collaborate with communities and understand how to achieve safe sleep environments. Our state is diverse and what fits and works in Chicago or Cook County, which is in the northern part of the state, is not necessarily going to work in a rural area in southern Illinois. So working with people and patients and communities to understand um, racial and ethnic inequities and diversity, to understand economic inequities and diversity, to understand resource inequities and diversity is going to be really important for PQCs and for Illinois. I think also we're going to have to go out of the hospital setting. It's time now we've started in NICUs and then we've grown to covering more hospitals in Illinois and having part people participate, hospitals participate in initiatives across the state of Illinois. And now we need to work in communities and think upstream like our um, public health partners, what are causing some of these issues? So not only working on healthcare in the NICU, but caring about health in communities. That's great. Justin, anything to add to that? The beauty of quality improvement work, I think, um, particularly on the collaborative level and the PQC level is that we're really like blending and bringing together public health initiatives like a smoking initiative or safe sleep initiative or big initiatives that are, that affect the state and, I, and clinical care and people at the bedside, the, the nurses and the doctors and the people that are that are having one-on-one -on -one engagement with families. And I think um, PQCs and, and this quality improvement work really helps blend that. Yeah. So let me uh, end with, with this question. You know, the past couple of years have been a blur and have have uh, been real difficult for PQCs. Every person I've talked to when, when we've been in a format like this or at a conference and we've talked about 2020 and 2021, trying to get quality improvement work done when it needed to be done in a really difficult situation that healthcare was in, but also when everybody was stretched thin and everybody was working so hard to try to just man their hospitals and, and get through what might have been going on at home and emotionally for people. Um, this is a tough time. Uh, I bet your PQC has some difficulties during that time. Am I right? Yeah, for sure. We, uh, our face-to-face -face meeting was in, in May of 2020 or, you know, that it's in May of every year. And we quickly pivoted from an in-person meeting to a virtual meeting. Um, and it was actually very successful. And, and we ran our whole uh, basic initiative, the antibiotic stewardship initiative, you know, through COVID, it was the, the planning phases and the actual work was through COVID. I think it was, it's been hard. It's been hard on us as a PQC. It's been hard on our hospitals on one hand, but on the other hand, I feel like 
there has been some common purpose that's not COVID related that hospitals really enjoyed. And I, my sense is that they enjoyed having something else to work on that wasn't just staffing for the day or um, uh, infection control and infection prevention. And so it provided some way to continue to move things forward. And so in some ways it was, it was kind of refreshing, um, even though of course it was really, really challenging for all of us, uh, including Leslie and me. Yeah, I like to think of like lessons learned during that time or as we do in quality improvement, how could we improve things? <laughs> was there anything that, and, and maybe you've hit on it a little bit already, but was there anything during the, that time period that, that has actually made your work easier or made it better? Can you think of any pivots that, that we did or? Yeah, I think we were able to have some successful virtual meetings that uh, moved work forward. Yeah. Um, it also, I think, served as a reminder, though, that it being in person is really important. Uh, we had our annual conference in November. We celebrated 10 years as a PQC. It was in person. It was our first in-person event. And there was so much energy just being in the same room together and being reinvigorated. Yeah, that's been the really good thing with all this too, is getting back together and meeting people. I mean, we, we met at, at Vermont Oxford Conference just a couple months ago and, and put this wheels in motion for this podcast today. So it's, it is important to, to meet in person and to, to have those opportunities to, to connect. And that's part of what PQCs do, as you have both mentioned. It's, it's part of a community. It's part of a community effort to improve care for, for moms and, and babies uh, in our states. And this is where I want to end on. This is a question I ask everybody. Think about the themes that we have talked about today or maybe just some type of inspirational uh, thought that sort of drives you that you would like to share with everybody. And if somebody who had uh, a big advertising agency said, hey, Leslie, Justin, you've got a billboard across the state going into Chicago or somewhere in southern Illinois and tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people are going to see this but." big billboard with whatever inspirational thought or concept that you want to share with them? What do you think that would be? So one of my um, mentors, role models, and to say mentor and role model is probably or definitely not giving um, enough credit to the impact he has had on my life and career is um, Bill Meadow. Bill Meadow is um, one of the pioneers of neonatology. He passed away in 2019. He is famous for lots of quotes, lots of things that I've said during this podcast. Um, One of them is, don't be a jerk. And I think that's really important in everyday life. I think it's important in neonatology. Mm -hmm. I think it's important as we build communities and work together in ILPQCs. And what he was saying by don't be a jerk is be kind, be caring, be respectful. And if I had a billboard, that is certainly what I would put on there. Be kind, be caring, be respectful in everything you do. The last three years have taught us that civility and being nice and being kind um, is important. And there are times to not be nice. And there's times to, to advocate for your positions, but that shouldn't be your fundamental position. Um, your fundamental position should be civil and kind and, um, and collaborative. And that's what, you know, PQCs are all about. 
what our PQC is about. That's why I do this every day. That's why I come to work every day as a neonatologist and why I keep continuing my work with IOPQC is to see this collaboration like continue to transpire in a really positive way. Love it. So for our audience, your inspirational thought that the TIPQC and Illinois PQC are leaving you with today, don't be a jerk. But underneath that, remember, be kind, be caring, be compassionate. And uh, thanks for listening to us today, everybody. Hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee, presented by TipQC. TipQC is funded under a grant contract with the state of Tennessee. Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee is brought to you through a cooperative agreement with the Alliance for Innovation on Maternal Health. Do you have ideas for a future guest or topic, or even have a question you would like answered on upcoming episodes? Visit www.tipqc.org, that's T-I-P-Q-C.org, and click on podcast to submit suggestions and questions to our podcast team. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast to be the first to know when new episodes are available and find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube to stay in the loop with our active projects and other relevant news relating to perinatal health in Tennessee.